0: Good morning church. I bring greetings from the Life Center. This is good. This is good. It's good to see everybody here. It feels like everybody is back from summer. Does it feel like that to you? Look around. Look around. This is good. It's good to see everybody this morning. I want to thank you um, for praying for your pastor as he is away on vacation and just thankful that he can he can sneak away with a little time. Um, Really it's all about his granddaughter. So Uh, I don't think he even cares about the other kids or uh, people that are there, but no, I I know he's excited about being there. He sent me a text this morning saying, I'm praying for you, and then a picture came through, and I said, really? No, thank you. Uh, It was a picture of the ocean, and uh, I said, really, thank you for that, (laughs) but I don't appreciate the picture. Um, Love the view of the beach, so, but uh, I want to ask you, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Um, if it's on your phone. Go ahead and swipe over there to 1 Corinthians 12. This morning, in the time that I have, uh, we're going to really dig deep and and, and dive fast into uh, a couple of chapters in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 especially, looking at a couple of things in 13 and 14, Um, but I'm excited about being here, so let's do this. Let's pray first, and then we'll dig in. Father God, I want to thank you so much for your word. I thank you that um, you have given us uh, this book, Father, to help us, to encourage us, to grow us, uh, Lord, to remind us, and I pray that it would be used as such, Lord, that as we listen, Lord, we not listen to um, me or a speaker, Father, but we listen to you, we listen to your word, and it would change us um, from the inside out. Uh, God, I thank you. Again, for this church, I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for uh, their willingness to serve and, and just to be, uh, Father, with you this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians, um, uh, just a little context about it before we dig into the chapter. Most of you here probably know about all this stuff, so it might not be new, but maybe just refresh your course. Uh, but as I was studying 1 Corinthians 12, obviously when we're looking in the Word, we want to look around the Word. Um, sometimes we can be guilty of just focusing on one passage or one word and not looking at the context and so in first corinthians we have to kind of get some background to what's going on here number one we know that paul wrote this book Uh, this is uh, very evident that the author of first corinthians was paul we believe that this was not the first letter to the church of corinth Uh, that this was not the first time that he corresponded with them uh, through this letter and so one thing we know in Acts chapter 18 is that Paul was introduced to, to, the church, to Corinth and established the church of Corinth there in Acts chapter 18 where he met two people. Anybody remember their names? Priscilla and Aquila. He met them. you've seen the movie Paul they're in there so you can go watch the movie but in in Acts chapter 18 we see that Paul is introduced to to these two people and and the church is formed and actually it says at the end of Acts 18 or midways in Acts 18 that he stayed there for over a year teaching them the word of God teaching them teaching them and teaching them and so we we get to first Corinthians what we have the first book to the church of Corinth and we think man this is a messed up church have you ever thought that uh, and as I was studying this week, I thought, you know what? We give the Corinthians a bad rap. We do. We, we, we put a lot of pressure on them because we, we say, man, they've got sexual morality in their church. They've got division after division in their church. They're doing things all wrong. You know, we, we look down on them high and mighty and go, these are their problems. But did you know the church of Corinth, at this time this letter came, we're probably anywhere from three to six years old as a church. They weren't very old in Christ. They had, they had just met Christ when Paul got and started preaching the Word. There were some there around, but, but he began to teach them the Word of God. The church was formed, and 1 Corinthians was actually written around, there's debate around 54 to 56 A.D., when he was on his third missionary journey to Ephesus. And so we see that, that these problems that arise in this letter, a lot of it is just because they're babes in Christ, because they don't know any better. We also see that this letter, we believe, is written in, in, in because of a letter that they wrote to Paul. Flip over to chapter 7. Let me show you something real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says in my Bible, it says, Now concerning the matters about which you what? wrote. And so obviously we, we see some kind of correspondence going back and forth. Authors also believe that Paul wrote another letter previous to 1 Corinthians, and so we see that all the issues that are coming up in 1 Corinthians are based on maybe a letter that they've written Paul asking questions, or, or maybe little secret spies that have been in the church and have noticed some of these issues arising within the church, correct? And so, so we come to chapter 12, which is kind of hard. When, when you only preach like twice a year, in the church is hard because you don't get to do series, right Brad, you, you understand that, it's like you just stuck up there to preach, Steve told me today, Steve Robbins told me this morning that in between Pastor Keith and the last pastor, that, uh, that they had interims coming in, and that every single one of them, five weeks in a row, they preached on the body of Christ, First Corinthians 12, and I said well maybe it's because you needed to get it again and again and again, and so, so it's kind of hard, we come in, we dump in right into First Corinthians chapter 12, but I think there's a word here for us, Church, I think there's something here God wants to show us. So Paul starts off in in chapter 12 saying this in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts. So it's almost like he's moving on to the next topic of their letter that they've written him. Maybe, we don't know for sure. We're just speculating a lot of times in what's going on between these because we can't see both sides of the conversation. But we know here that he's already done this in chapter 7. So chapter 12, he says now. Concerning spiritual gifts, let's talk about that. And so he goes on. And he says, "This I do not want you to be uninformed." I told my wife yesterday I was working on the sink because of my dad. Sometimes I thank him for this, but he taught me a little plumbing. And uh, so don't call me because I'm I'm dangerous. It doesn't. I remember in Texas one time I was on the phone with my dad, and all of a sudden the water just started going everywhere. So. Things happen, but I told my wife yesterday, I said, you know what? Do you ever wish you just didn't know things? You know what I'm talking about? You ever wish you just didn't know so you didn't have to do it? Because when you know, people expect you to do it. Now, that was pretty lazy of me to say that at that moment, but, but I think for, for here in chapter 12, he says, listen, I don't want you to be uninformed because I want you to, to know. I don't want you to be ignorant on the things of spiritual gifts because this is important, especially for the body of Christ. And so he's coming with them, for some information. And so what I want to do this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to look at three things. If you're taking notes, write these three things down and then we'll go de- deeper into each one. Number one, we're going to look at the who of chapter 12, the who of spiritual gifts. We're also going to look at the what of spiritual gifts. And then the last thing we're going to look at is the why of spiritual gifts. The who, the what, and the Why? And so starting off in in chapter 12, verse 4, we look at the who. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want to skip down. We're going to come back to these gifts, but I want to look at verse 11. And it says this, all these, all these gifts that he's just mentioned are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So who is the source of spiritual gifts? Obviously we know um, when we hear spiritual gifts, a lot of times we, we put that to the spirit, right? But it is, it's God. God is the giver of spiritual gifts. When, when, When we come into Christ, we're baptized into one body in Christ. He all of a sudden gives us these gifts, these spiritual gifts that we'll talk about in a minute, the list of the gifts that he gives us. And these gifts have a purpose. But number one, we want to see that these gifts come from God. These are not because, hey, I've worked hard at learning this skill. No, this is not because I went to school for four years and I learned how to do it properly. No, these are things that God has just gifted us when we immediately come to Christ. These are things that he assigns as he wills. Now, I told the early service, the cool thing is this, who better knows us but God? Who better knows our personalities and our talents and our skills? It's God. So who better to assign the spiritual gifts that he has for each and every one of us than God himself? I don't, I don't know if you've ever, how many of you in here have ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Raise your hand. Are many of you, but some of you haven't. That's all right. We're going to talk about ways to do that. But, but when you take your spiritual gifts test, a lot of times you start to see uh, certain gifts that you have that you're highest in. You go, man, that makes sense now. I'll never forget when I first took my first test and I, we did a personality test as well with that. And then you put all together your, your passions and, and your abilities and all these things. And I began to think and I was looking at all of that across the board and I go, hmm, God must have known what he was doing that God didn't make me the way that I am and then say, you know what, I think I'm going to give him uh, this gift over here that he'll not be good at and he'll just have to figure it out on his own. No, it was something that God gifted me so he knew that would, would line up with everything that I am and who I am, my personality and all. And so we see that the source of the gifts is God. He not only assigns them, but look at this in verse 18. Look at what he says about the body of Christ. And he's given this analogy of the body. He says this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And so in here, Paul's talking about the human body, which we're going to look at in a minute. But I think at the same, same time, we see how God has arranged each and every one of us. I love doing Discover Mount Airy because as I, as I look at people across the table and I talk to people and I hear what they're good at, what they love to do, and, and I start to sense this, I think that, man, God has placed and arranged every single one of us the place he wants us to be, as the member he wants us to be. God had a hand in that. God has put you here at Mount Airy for this moment, for this purpose, for a reason, because of the gifts that he's given you, because of the abilities that you have and the passion that you have. God arranged that. And not only just here at Mount Airy, but think about that as 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 kingdom-wide, as the entire church body of what God is doing. Not only arranges, but verse 24 even says that God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it. And then later on, he tells us that in 27, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed. God has appointed you in the church, people in the church, places and positions. So we we know right off the bat, number one, who the source of the gifts is, is God. God is that source. And we look at the what. What what spiritual gifts? The diversity of the gifts. In, In verse four, let's read this again. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, a variety of service, but the same Lord, variety of activities, but is the same God. What is he talking about? This variety, that's diversity of of gifts and service and, and ministry to the Lord. He goes on in verse eight For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing. By one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, all these empowered by one. So look at that list. I mean, we could sit here and spend four, five, six weeks on just the list of gifts that he has given us and what that means. But did you notice anything in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He didn't go in detail of those gifts, did he? He didn't go in speaking, oh, let me, let me explain what faith is. Let me explain what wisdom is. And we begin to wonder, why didn't he do that? I don't think that was the, the, the issue at hand with the Corinthian church. I don't think that was the issue that he was addressing here, wanting them not to be uninformed. The issue was they began to, to think that one gift was more important than another gift. Some of them in the ranks of their church began to think because that they could speak in tongues that they were greater and should be honored more than those who had the gift of, say, prophecy. All of a sudden their motives for these gifts was messed up. It wasn't so much they didn't understand the gifts, and, and I think there, there might have been some of that, and, 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 and we really can go into detail, but right here the point of this is this. There is a wide variety, diversity of gifts that God has given And I think there's a reason for that. And I think it has to do with the analogy that Paul uses. Think about this. He goes in this long list of all these different gifts. Then he goes into explaining what this looks like, giving us a picture. I don't know about you, but I'm a visual person. Even when I prepare my sermons, I have an app now that that I can divide verses. I mean, it's it's just visual for me. I have to see it. And Paul, I think the same way because he begins to tell them. Verse 12, look what he says. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. Then he goes on in verse 27. Now you are the body of of Christ he gives this analogy that the body of Christ is like the human body now we can see that right we can see the human body and all the parts that make up the human body he goes on and talks about some of the different things with the the parts of body the the eye can't say I don't need you and the and the hand can't say I don't need you or or that the ear might feel left out and all these things he's talking about every part has a part to play Warren Wiersbe put it this way in a couple of points, and I want to bring this out. He says, number one, we belong to one another. We belong to one another. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. We belong to one another. Just like my hand can't say I don't belong, as as a part of the body of Christ, I can't say I don't belong. I don't have a part to play. I don't have a purpose. Every single one of us is like a member of our body, that we are a part and we belong to one another. Romans, Paul says the same thing. He says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Some of your translations say belong to one another. We belong to one another. Look at what it says in verse 12 again uh, of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Then in verse 14 he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, what would not that would not make it any less part of the body? And if the ear should say because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. You, you we belong to one another. God has so assigned, God has so arranged, and God has so composed the body to be what the body is. And that every single part belongs to one another. Not only belongs to one another, but listen to this. Every part, we need one another. Look to your neighbor right or left. You need them. They're a part of the body of Christ. You need them. I love how the message put it. I don't know if you ever go to the message and read it. Uh, it's another paraphrase, actually, of the scriptures. But, but I like the way it put it. It said this, no part is important on its own. Can you imagine I, and he puts it in capital letters, can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Can you hear the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic. And therefore, this is what he put is necessary. Is necessary. See, see, some of us maybe we feel like a big toe. I like using that illustration. Some of us feel like a big toe and that we're not important in the body of Christ and that we don't really have a place. But let me tell you something. Every single one of us, we need our big toe, don't we? We need every part. We need each other. And the third thing is this: not only belong, need, but we also affect. Warren Wiersbe says, we affect each other. To have an effect on someone or to make a difference. Every single part of the body of Christ has that potential to affect each other. Ephesians 4.16 says it this way, when each part is working properly, okay, listen to this. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, let me, let me, I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth, but let's just turn that verse a little bit. When each part is not working properly, what can we say? See, there's a danger here. And I think that's what Paul sees in, in the church of Corinth. He begins to see this, 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 uh, this road, this crossroad that they, they have a choice to make. They can continue on in the divisions and in their pride and in their sinfulness. Or they can begin to remember that, listen, we are all together and we belong and we need each other and we can affect one another. There's a purpose for everything that God has done. Each member is absolutely necessary. I want to show you a picture. I went to the cabin. Pastors allowed me to use his cabin, which is not his. I shouldn't say that. But I, was, I, was, I walked in to study for this week and on the desk, this journal was opened like this. All right? I didn't turn it. I didn't read it. I just, I just saw this on there. And, and, I, and I said, that's, that's pretty awesome. And so what you have here is that there's one journal entry um, on your left and another separate one on the right. And the person on the right wrote this note. Whoever wrote this needs to read this. Then she said this, thankful for the body of Christ. I didn't even read the journal entries. I didn't need to. Was it? it wasn't really like God said, you need to read this and pray for this. It was just, I saw that and I go, you know what? That's why we need the body of Christ. Some of us are having days like this girl on the left you know, obviously there's something going on and there's some issues and some problems and circumstances that have just gotten her down and she comes to the cabin to get away and she writes in her heart, her feelings and emotions and she's just pouring it out to God. And then the girl on the right pops in and God knows and God allows that person, I mean, and obviously it was pretty close because the pages are right beside each other and she begins to read her note and she says, you know what, maybe you need to hear this. Can I just tell you that this is how we affect every part of the body? This is how we can have an impact and how we can have a, make a difference in someone's life by encouraging. That's why I love the body of Christ. Every single one of us needs someone on the right encouraging us and telling us, hey, you need this. There's ways that God wants to use us. So we belong, we need each other, and we affect one another. So I wrote this in my notes. Healthy members make for a healthy body. I mean, think about this. If there's disease in my body, what happens to my entire body? It begins to be unhealthy. It's not well. That's why I go to the doctor. The same thing I think happens in the body of Christ sometimes. And what we're seeing in the church of Corinth is there's disease beginning to take root in the body. And Paul says if you don't fix this, if you don't take care of this, if you don't begin to pray and seek healthiness in your body, guess what? The body's going to be divisive. The body's going to begin to fight with one another, begin to to, to, to to take sides. You begin to see that even in First Corinthians, the beginning, they said, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. There's this division taking place in the body. So we know the who is God. He's the source of all gifts. The what is the diversity of the spiritual gifts and the analogy that he uses. But here's the who, I mean the why. The why, the purpose of the gifts is edification. Edification. It is the building up of one another. In, in, in the New King James it says that they are for the profit of all. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Listen to this. I, I wrote this down because this is also from another paraphrase. I just read, I read a lot of translations when I study. I don't know about you, but I just pull them all out. And I have a, a living Bible. Anybody still got a living Bible from back in the day? Uh, it Was it green cover? It's the same ugly green cover on everybody's. I don't know why they didn't make it different, but it was the same. I got it in my, my office. You're not going to come see it. It's like, it looks like it should be in the Museum of Bibles. <laughs> it was my grandmother's. And, and it smells like my grandmother. And, and I like to just open it up every once in a while just read. And I was reading in verse 7. This is what it says. Listen, to, this is so good. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. That's so good, isn't it? I mean, when we read, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, that sounds good too. But when the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church, that's why God does it. That's why God has gifted each and every one of you. That's why we belong. That's why we need one another. That's how we can make an impact on every single person in this church. Edification. I love this definition of edification. It says this, the act of one who promotes another's growth in holiness. Think about that. How many times in your life, in this church, in this body, have you promoted another's growth in holiness? That's why we're here. See, Matthew Henry, he put it this way. He said, the Spirit was manifested by the exercise of these gifts. His influence and interest appeared in them. But they were not distributed for the mere honor and advantage of those who had them. Did you hear that? God did not distribute the gifts of the Spirit for my advantage and for my honor. He says this, but for the benefit of the church, to edify the body and spread and advance the gospel. Note, whatever gifts God confers on any man, he confers them that he may do good with them whether they be common or spiritual. The outward gifts of his bounty are to be improved for his glory and employed in doing good to others. No man has them merely for himself. The gifts that you have are not for you alone. The gifts that you have are to build others up right beside you. As you come a part of this body of Christ, all of a sudden God has a purpose for your life in this body to build those up, to help and to encourage their growth in holiness. The church in Corinth all of a sudden begin to think, you know, they they got puffed up a little bit. It was like, man, I can speak in tongues. Blah, 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 blah. I, I started. I mean, there's a whole lot of things. Listen, we we can go into a bunch, and I don't believe that, so I, I take that back. But but listen, I think. All of a sudden, all we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or 12, 13, 14, we see this this division taking place within the spirits that my gift's better than your gifts. And I don't need you, and you don't need me. And all this division taking place, Paul begins to point out the main point. So let me take you to the next one, to the main point in chapter 13. We know chapter 13 well, don't we? Some of us can quote it Love is patient, love is kind. And oftentimes what we do is we take that chapter and that passage out of context. Can you believe it? We take that love, that passage, which is so full of truth and and so good, and we take it and we rip it out of the context. But, But look at the context. What is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual gifts. So why does he start all of a sudden talking about love being patient, love being kind? Because of the main point that he's trying to get across. Listen to this real quick. He says in verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am what? A noisy gong or clanging cymbal. See, I believe this. We can have spiritual gifts. We are the body of Christ, but without love, we're just plain annoying. You know what I mean? How many of you have kids? <laughs> yeah, listen, I have a Jackson and, and there, there are times, <laughs> let, let me tell you, there are times, there are times there's things that he does. It's just like, son, you're annoying me. What, is, what are you doing? I mean, just the noise. I mean, he just, he just loves to do it. I mean, he has a gift of annoyance. I don't know. He does. He just loves, it. and he'll tell you. He'll tell you. He'll do it to his mom. You know, his mom will say, stop doing that. Stop picking on me. Stop doing it. And he just keeps on. So the problem is I think he gets it from me. But, but we are the body of Christ. But without love, the main point Paul says is this. If we use our gifts, if we use these gifts that God has given us without love, guess what? It's just annoying. It's just a noise, a noise, noise means nothing. Then then he says this in verse two. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am what? Nothing. He goes on to say, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I what? Gain nothing. There's a point that Paul's trying to make. He goes on to talk about love, being patient, kind. This is not This is not a marriage passage. Oh, listen, I've been guilty of it. This is not a wedding passage. This is the spiritual gifts. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to use your spiritual gifts without first knowing the greatest gift is love and the reason that we use our gifts, the reason that we speak in tongues or or speak prophecy or have faith or work miracles, all these things without love, they profit no one. They benefit no one. I want to show you another picture real quick. i got to hurry. This is a Delwood Baptist Church. Pastor and I, a couple weeks ago, went to Nashville to, to talk to Jason Rumbo as the pastor of Eastland Baptist Church in East Nashville. And we're praying still about what God has us uh, to do and, and what that looks like. And I talk to Jason all the time, but we were we were driving around East Nashville just looking, and he brought us to this church, and he just pulled up in the parking lot, didn't say anything at first, and we were like, Okay, another church. I mean, we passed a ton of churches in East Nashville. This is probably less than a mile away from Eastland Baptist Church. And he said, I wanted to bring you here and show you something. So we get out and we walk around. He said, over 50 years ago, Eastland Baptist Church started this church. Now, you first hear that and you go, wow, that's, that's, that's neat. I mean, here is a dying church. That 50 years ago, yeah, they, they they were doing what God wanted to do and all these things. Then he told us this: Delwood Baptist Church is dying too, and my heart just sunk. I was like, "What is happening?" There's a lot of there's a lot of factors when you you come up to a church like this and it's dying. There's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. And this community has been through a whole lot, a whole lot of change. You know that, but this this church has has seen that. But I started looking around at this church and I, and I took this next picture. Let me show you the next one. You notice anything missing? Now this is not a prophetic sign from God. So don't think I'm kind of crazy. But as I looked at that, it made me think about something. A lot of times in churches, division, And disease and sickness begins for a reason. And I think a lot of times those things happen when we take our eyes off the main thing. See, the cross is missing. And I think a lot of times in our life we can get busy doing programs. We can get busy doing events. We can get busy doing trips. We can get busy singing and gathering on Sunday morning. But we miss the main point. And what Paul is saying here is that the main point is that God has given you gifts to love others, to build one another up, to encourage and to promote holiness within the body of Christ. See, unhealthy members create an unhealthy body. And that's in a lot of ways. So this is what I want to challenge you with today. So I've heard this. Now what, Chris? What's my next step? A couple things. Number one, maybe you say, you know what? I need to discover my gifts. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do that. I'd love to help you. You go out, go to the next steps table, tell them you want Chris to call you and say, hey, how do I find my gifts? Maybe you know your gifts, you just don't have a place. Maybe you need to discover your place in the body and how God has, has arranged and composed you and you're just kind of, the hand just floating off here by itself. Maybe God wants to show you today where your place can be other thing is this and I think this hits home and this hurts maybe like the church of Corinth we need to confess unconfessed sin maybe there's there's some sin in our life like pride that we use our gifts and we think oh look at me I hope everybody notices how I did that or what I'm doing I hope everybody sees my my whole credential list of of how I'm serving Maybe maybe you need to go to someone else and say, I'm sorry. I, I can imagine as, as the Church of Corinth read this letter, they begin to feel guilty and convicted, hopefully, saying, You know what? I, I've hurt I've hurt old Cletus over there. Because of the way I, I threw my gift in his face and, and made him feel weaker and made him feel not necessary. Maybe I need to go to somebody else and say, I'm sorry. You might not even know this, but this is the way I felt about you. See, when the body of Christ is is healthy, it's because of healthy members. It's healthy members. The other thing is this. Maybe you just need to help somebody take their next step. Maybe there's somebody in your small group. Maybe there's somebody in your life, your circle of influence that you need to help them to take their next step in being a part of the body of Christ. Listen, there is so much that God wants to do through Mount Airy. And I believe God has done tons through Mount Airy. But I do not believe He is done with the body here. And I believe this with all my heart. He is going to need every single one of us in this place. Not only 11 o'clock sanctuary, but 945 sanctuary, 11 o'clock life center, because it is going to be, it, he's just ready to do it. We are the body of Christ. And I add this to, to Paul's words, act like it. What he's saying in the church of Corinth, act like it. If you are the body, act like it. Don't feel, don't, 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 don't go off separate. You be a part of the body. You build one another up. You encourage one another with love in Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, and Lord, your reminder is so good for me, um, as well as all of us as a church. God, I pray, Father, in this moment that you would help us, encourage us. Lord, if there's someone here that that needs to be a part of the body of Christ, that needs to to trust in you, Lord. maybe somebody here that just needs to to seek forgiveness, maybe just pray. God, would you just do that and move in our hearts today, Lord, Through this song, Father, we would respond in obedience to what you would have us do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.